Welcome to the weekly podcast of Soul Purpose Evangelical Church, located in the city of Middletown, New York. Today's message will be brought to you by missionary Frank Leonetti. Each week, we stream our live recorded services to encourage, build up, and edify our listening audience. Our aim is to share with you the uncompromised and infallible word of the living God. Our prayer is that today's message will draw you closer in your relationship with Jesus Christ. And now, here is our guest speaker, missionary Frank Leonetti, with today's word. All right, how about this for a title? Atonement for Unsolved Murder and Secret Sin. So this is a a passage that we're going to look at in Deuteronomy. And the topic is exactly the name. It covers the atonement for unsolved murder and secret sin. Please open your Bibles to Deuteronomy chapter 1 if you have not already. We will pray and get straight into the Word of God. Let us pray. Lord Jesus Christ, we want to come to you and just say thank you for coming into the world as a babe. Lord, your incarnation. You came down, Lord Jesus. You had you had paradise. You had perfection. You had Everything that you could ever want for, except you wanted a bigger family. Those who are willing, oh Lord. And here are your redeemed subjects, your very prize that are before me, oh Lord. And I want to say thank you. You cherish them, Lord, and I want to say thank you for each one of them. Oh God, their souls are valuable to you and, 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 and precious to me, and I'm asking for special seed from heaven Lord, that would just bring them in a fresh awe and thanksgiving for you coming down and going to the cross this morning for atoning their sins so that truly they can be free and enjoy this life of liberty and love and worshiping God in their common man and bringing glory to your name and spreading your fame throughout Middletown and this great nation. Oh, Lord, I just want to pray, Lord, that the word would pierce, Lord Jesus, down to the inner parts and put seeds in them, Lord, that would even affect the next generation. Give a generational blessing this day, oh God. I thank you, God, that there's freedom in the atmosphere. And I just want to ask you, Jesus, in your kindness, Lord, that hope, great hope would be imparted. Please, God, open up your word to our hearts and our hearts to your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Atonement for unsolved murder and secret sin. So in the Old Testament, whenever you see an atonement or a ritual for the forgiveness of sins, It is always a part of what Jesus Christ did on the cross. So there are many different rituals and many different laws. And Jesus' blood, his redemption, encompasses all of it. But here we're seeing a portion of what Jesus atoned on the cross. And in this section of scripture, it talks about unsolved murder. Right? So you're talking about a murder that's done in secret. 
So this part of the atonement that Christ would have uh, um, redeemed would be murder. See, it's a secret murder, so it's murder that we would have in our heart. It would also cover abortion, murdering children, and any secret sin that we have ever done. But praise be to God, Jesus Christ was incarnated and went to the cross, so we have hope this season. Whether we've murdered a person, murdered somebody in our heart, had an abortion, or there's any secret sin in our life, praise be to His holy name, He has given us hope wonderful counselor oh what a beautiful jesus we have and the hope in christianity praise god the greatest unsolved murder mystery is god died on a cross that is the greatest unsolved murder mystery the jews think that jesus was a fanatic or a fake. Muslims, they don't believe he was God on the cross. He was a a prophet. Everybody has their own idea of who this man was. But to us, it has been given the revelation of the Father that Jesus died for us on the cross. God died for us on that cross. I'm so grateful the Holy Spirit opened that murder mystery to us so we could know and make it known in all the land. Now what I want to do as we read verse 1 is I want to invite you into my Bible reading and prayer and relationship with Jesus. This is what it's like for me to read my Bible by myself. And my prayer is always, God, Make my Bible interactive like an iPad. That's how I want it to be. So this is exactly how this message began. I began reading in verse 1. If anyone is found slain, Lord, you are slain for me. You are the Lamb that was slain from the foundation of the world. And I just want to say thank you for getting on that cross for me and laying down your life and taking those stripes and, and, and being pierced and, and, and saying, Father, I forgive. Thank you, Jesus, for being that slain lamb for me. And I would continue. Lying in the field and the land which the Lord your God is giving you to possess. And it is not known who killed him. And I paused and I said, Lord, there's a dead man that's lying in a field. That was me. I was dead in my trespasses. I was out of it, Lord. I was dead in heroin. I was dead in sin. I was, I was hurting people. I was dead in my trespasses. But I want to thank you for being the slain lamb, oh God. You died my death so that I can live in your life. And this is very personal. And this is how I transact or talk to the Lord when I'm having my Bible reading. I want you to notice here that it says field. If anybody dies in a field. So now there is innocent bloodshed in a field. Innocent bloodshed pollutes the land and brings judgment 
on God's people. It pollutes the land and brings judgment on God's people. So first I'd like to make this connection here between innocent blood on the land and then judgment on God's people. If you remember when Cain killed Abel, he says, where is your brother? He said, am I my brother's keeper? And then God begins to say to him, what have you done? The voice of your brother's blood cries out to me from the ground. So now you are cursed from the earth, which has opened its mouth to receive your brother's blood from your hand. So we see innocent blood has come upon the ground, and now God has sent his curse from the land upon the man. So anytime there's innocent blood shed in the land, all of a sudden now there is a consequence and a judgment that comes upon the people. We see in Numbers 35, 33, this very principle. It says there, So you shall not pollute the land where you are, for blood defiles the land. For no atonement can be made for the land, for the blood that is shed on it, except by the blood of him who shed it. So the blood, thank you, brother, the blood that comes upon the land pollutes the land. And now what you have here is lingering, impending judgment on the land. And the only way for that land to be healed is for that murderer's bloodshed to be spilled on the very earth. You know, there is... A lot of bloodshed in America. You know, there's roughly 2020 of the latest stats, but about 30,000 murders a year here in America on this soil. Uh, Abortions, roughly 863,000. That's more more than 2,000 abortions a day. And that, that blood has now bringing brought judgment upon our land. You see, in the Old Testament, it was the blood of a man, the murderer's blood that would atone the land so the judgment would leave. But now, in the New Testament, it's Jesus' blood. Jesus died as a murderer. So when his blood touched the earth, now there is a term atonement for the land. Atonement for the judgment that is upon us. This is why we can turn to the Lord and say, God, forgive us. Forgive us our nation. Forgive us for what we have done. Lord, I apply the blood of Jesus on the land for the murders and for the abortions that have happened. And I'm asking you to hold back judgment and bring revival. It's a hope for the land with all the abortion and all the murderer. The murder in my heart and the secret sin. It all comes from the blood of Jesus. All glory to his holy name. So this is what we have here in this passage. We're about to see the priest 
come and atone the land by killing a beast. And that beast represents Jesus Christ, our Lord. And they know what's at stake. Lest we go and make atonement for this unsolved murder, that judgment is going to come upon us. And now they're standing in the gap. Let us read verses 2 through 4. Then your eldest elders and your judges shall go out and measure the distance from the slain man to the surrounding cities. And it shall be that the elders of the city nearest to the slain man, say this word, nearest, nearest to the slain man, will take a heifer which has not been worked and which has not pulled with a yoke. The elders of that city shall bring the heifer down to a valley flowing with water, which is neither plowed nor sown. And they shall break the heifer's neck there in the valley. So the Bible says nearest. In other words, those nearest to the sin are called to reconcile. Right? Those nearest to the sin are called to reconcile. They would say, okay, let's measure it out. Which city in Israel is closest to this sin? We're going to measure it out. And whoever is the closest person to it, that's the one that's going to go and bring reconciliation. They're going to bring atonement. Is not the church strategically located to affect its locality? Aren't we, you know, it's beautiful. God has a reason why we're in this church here today and in this location. God has a reason for the next place we're going. Just like he had a reason that we were right next to Aldi's. God has a purpose. A church is called to reach its neighbors, its community, and those closest to them before they go out. In other words, we should be missioning the area that we are in before doing missions outside. And that's one of the strengths I love about this church. You know, there's some churches I have to go to and I'll say these kinds of things and I leave it there and I let the conviction rest. But I would like to, I would like to encourage this church. And I, I, I'm reminded of a few things. I talked with Pastor Albert, the, the Fiesta Latina, where the church went out. To, to a local area here, fed over 2,000 people for pennies on the dollar. And pastor was able to speak to a community about family and faith and country. This is what it's all about. Um, I think it's called Turkey Run. This, this Thanksgiving, people weren't able to afford groceries. And I was speaking to pastor, and literally, you guys got groceries and he delivered it. One person, when they knocked on the door, it smelled like weed in the house. They went in there and got to pray with the people anyway. You know, and, and, and it's just a, a beautiful, I remember, park and pray. That was one of my favorites. They had a sign, come, come over here, park and pray. So this is a way, this is so, I am so grateful to be here this morning and see all the missionaries in this community. And I just bless the Lord that Jesus is working so mightily in you. But to the same concept, I should be ministering to my family before I minister to the family of God, right? So who is nearest to the sinner? 
Who is nearest? And the answer is not one that would baffle you. Jesus is nearest to the sinner. And he's responsible to reconcile them. How close is Jesus to the sinner? Well, there was one man in the Bible who took a spear and put it through two people. Now, if you, if you and that person are sharing the same spear, you can look at him and say, you know, I, I feel your pain. <clears throat> but, but you know what? It says in the word of God, in all of our pain, he feels pain. In another translation, in all of our affliction, he is afflicted. And the Lord Jesus Christ literally feels the sinner's pain. He feels our pain. He feels your affliction. This is why he's the most compassionate person in the world. He is literally in your shoes. <clears throat> now, though Jesus is the closest to the sinner, and he is responsible for reconciling them. He asked you, will you please work with me? Will you please help me? You're my boots on the ground. Amen. Who is closest to you? Who is the person that's stumbling? Will you minister to them because you are near to them? Will you reach out? Will you make the phone call? Will you put down your pride of your last argument and just say, look, I want to I work on you. I want to help you. I want to I serve you. That's what the Lord is asking of us. All right, I'd like to talk to you about three phrases and their meaning here. Three, because this is Jesus. The heifer is Jesus. So here's the first three phrases and their meaning. So there is a, a heifer who's not worked, right? He's been not been plowed with, and he's going down into a valley. So you have a heifer. Not worked, not plowed, and they're going down into a valley. So a heifer is a female, right? So whenever you see a female sacrificial animal, it always represents redeeming the body of Christ. So whenever you go through the Levitical passages, I don't understand why this is a It's because Jesus died to redeem his bride. Not worked or yoked. What is that? That is the freedom of Christ in heaven. That is the eternal rest and freedom that we're all purchased, that has been purchased for us. But it's also what Jesus Christ had in heaven. Jesus Christ in heaven had perfect freedom. He was not worked. He was not yoked. He did not come incarnated as a child, grow up, and go to the cross. That's, that's what that means. So this heifer, this Jesus of ours, who was in heaven and had the freedom of Christ, chose to come down into the valley. Jesus Christ came down into the world, and he went finally to the cross, to his death. Yo, we go through the valley of the shadow of death. It's a beautiful picture of Philippians chapter 2. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the appearance of men. And being found in the appearance of a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. He starts up here and comes down here. There's actually seven steps that he had. 
Jesus has no pride. He says, compare me to a beast. I don't care in this scripture. Just look. Just look. Here I am. Will you look for me? Will you seek me? Will you pray? And the Holy Spirit begins to reveal that he gave up his freedom in heaven. He didn't consider his reputation at being at the right hand of God as anything. He came down to go into that valley and to take my death so that I can live in his life. True greatness is measured by how far one will come down to meet another person's need. I was in Thailand, and I got to minister to a big group of, of, of men. It was about um, 100, no, there was 86 men from 18 different nations, and it was awesome. The power of God moves. All of a sudden, these people, they're getting saved. There's a grown man weeping in there. The leadership said, we haven't seen something like this. People are getting saved. Then they bring me to another prison, and 40 Thai men are there in this prison in Bangkok. And 13 of them came up and accepted the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, afterwards, they called me out. They called me aside. And, and, and um, the man of the ministry, that means the, 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 a woman started it and married a, a gentleman. And so now he's not in charge. She's in charge. So the number two comes to me and says, my wife spoke to me and said, in the last message, you, become, you were very emotional. You were putting too much emotion. I said, okay. Sorry. Then after that, she comes and says something to me. I just need you to, to know that you're too emotional. Okay, so you have to mind yourself. And inside, you know what's jumping inside of me? But they got saved. That's what's happening inside. And then so now we're on our way to the next prison. And so there's 104 women I'm going to have a chance to preach to. And <clears throat> right before we go in, some of the staff comes in. They said, brother, we really liked your message, but we've been told by the uppers that we need to come and tell you that you need to tone things down. You have to calm down. Okay, and I just started walking. And, and as I'm walking, I'm looking. There's a big wall on my left side about like 15 feet high, and then there's an open field, and I see people working in the field in the prison. And then, but inside the prison, I hear the sound of singing women, praising the Lord with so much joy, I can hardly compare it to some of the services that I've heard. And as I'm walking, there's a sister in the Lord, a mother in the Lord. She, she, I call her, she's my mother in the Lord. She lives in Puerto Rico. Very, very wonderful woman of God. <clears throat> and as I'm walking with her down the corridor, we're discussing all these things. And I just turned to her and I said, Sister, you know that true greatness is measured by how far one will come down to meet another person's need. And if at any time I would have rose up and said, No, but they got saved. No, but this happened. No, that didn't happen. It would have blocked the next meeting where another five women came up front and gave their life to Jesus. Are we willing to bite our tongues? Are we willing to turn our cheek? Are we willing to say, I'm wrong? Just to meet somebody else's need. This is the beauty of Jesus. He comes down to the same level of all of his creatures just to give them life. Okay, so now let us take the next three phrases. The next three phrases from this chapter. <clears throat> So there's going to be, you break the heifer's neck, 
over running water or river, river water that's never plowed or sown. Right? So there's a heifer there that they're going to break its neck. Literally, they're going to chop it off with an axe. Break his neck over river water, running water, and then it has to be in a place that has never been plowed or sown. It's untouched land, virgin land. So imagine, that just for instance, let's just put this together. Somebody's been killed. There's an unsolved murder, right? So now <clears throat> I'm going to call up Pastor Albert. Hey, look, we're the closest ones, right? Pastor Albert, I'll bring the heifer. He says, I'll bring the axe. We go down, we find the body, we find the nearest location. And now we're holding this, this, this animal over the water. And pastor starts hacking off the neck of this animal with his axe. There's blood everywhere. It's on the water, it's coming down the stream, it's washing up all upon those unplanted and unsown lands. Right. So what is the general meaning? The general meaning is Christ's blood shed atones for murderers, murdering babies, secret sin, and the land. It redeems men, and it redeems the land. <clears throat> the heifer is decapitated. That represents Jesus Christ on the cross. Here is the, the devil's plan on the day of the cross is separate the head from the body. Separate the head from the body. When I was 26 years old, six, six, 26, God gave me a message called, Off with his head. Because John the, uh, Jesus, after the Mount of Transfiguration, when he's coming down, he says to his disciples, In the same way that John the Baptist suffered, I will suffer. And then you just see one chapter later, John the Baptist is beheaded. Right? They take his head. And he put it on a silver platter. But then his disciples get the body. Right? So that was the devil's plan. So in the same way that John the Baptist's head was separated from his body. So that was the devil's plan for Jesus on the cross. Right? Strike the shepherd and the sheep will be scattered. Right? So take off. And this is the devil's plan in our lives also. God gives us Jesus as our head. Let's separate Jesus from the body. Right? Also, God's given you pastor, right? And, and the leadership, your elders. To separate the, how can I get the body of Christ to accuse the pastor? How can I, what little thing can we pick out that we don't like, right? And so the head of every family, right, is the parents and then the children. And the head of the wife is the husband, right? So this is good. God has set this up so there's a level of submission so somebody can speak into your life. This is a good thing, right? And the devil, if he's troubling you and he's winning, you won't be submitting to anybody. You'll have no headship. Nobody can speak to you. So you want to know if you're in deviled waters, devil troubled waters? God, the, 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 the devil's trying to put the axe to you, to you. You know that? You just, you're free. Nobody can speak to you. You have no head. There is no consequences for you. Because, Cello, you're in, you're in charge anyway. Just be careful. Be careful that the devil's plan doesn't work in your life. But I'll be happy to tell you, when the devil's plan came against Jesus, it backfired. Instead of causing disunity in the body of Christ through Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection, it caused the greatest union between God and man. 
He's in me, people. Hallelujah. So the heifer is decapitated over river waters, right? Running waters, right? So now you have a picture of blood flowing on water, right? So I spoke to you about there's a pattern of blood and fire. But there's also a pattern in the Bible of blood and water. For instance, First John 5, 6, it's, uh, the apostle says, Jesus came by water and blood. Not only by water, but by water and blood. So that means that if you are born of blood alone, that means that you're just born through Adam's bloodline, right? You are just born of the flesh. But the water is to say that you are born of the Spirit. Jesus was born of the blood and born of the Spirit, right? And so are we when we get born again. Okay. So here's another example. Jesus, when he's hanging on the cross, our, our beautiful Savior is hanging on the cross. They pierce his side. What comes out? Blood and water. Now here, the blood represents justification, right? Having now been justified by his blood, shall we be saved from wrath through him? So we are justified by his blood. And the water talks about sanctification. Again, if you ever go to decipher and find the deep meaning of, Levi of Leviticus or anything like that, you'll always see blood and water. 90% of the time, the blood justifies, the water sanctifies, right? Amen. So now, <clears throat> this is in part <clears throat> why, I, why I want to share this message with you. God gave me this beautiful sight while I was shut alone with him. What I was seeing was my Jesus' blood poured out over this river, over this stream. And now this beautiful Holy Spirit is just like coming down the brook. And he's bringing it upon all the grass and all the fields and all these places that have never had the blood touch them before you see these are these are unplanted lands this is untouched ground and and jesus's blood is being carried by the holy spirit to unreached people groups have you not read when paul said you are god's field you are god's building hallelujah and we experienced it that day we got saved. The beautiful blood of Jesus flowed from heaven. And the Holy Spirit applied us to our hearts. Just like the houses in the days of Egypt. And we have been saved. Glory to Jesus. May the blood of Jesus be carried by the Holy Spirit to all the unreached people here in Middletown in the name of Jesus. We stop and cease all other traffic in the Spirit right now. And we release a deluge of the revelation of Jesus Christ on the cross and coming as a child in this Christmas season in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. It's a place that's never planted and never sown. That's where the blood is, be, is coming. Never planted and never sown. And because the blood of the heifer touched that land that has never been planted and never sown, it 
can never be planted or sown on again. It will never be planted or sown on again because of the blood. And as a blade of grass in God's field, I'd like to speak on behalf of the grass. <clears throat> no one can till us. No foreign seed can be planted in us. We are free from the fear of excavation. We, do, we cannot be rezoned. We cannot be moved. This blood has made us untouchable. No one can purchase us. Nope. Not after the blood came upon us. No one has any right to us for the blood set us free. We are a land that has rest forever. We are the envy of all lands around us. An aerial view will tell you that we are a virgin land surrounded by those who have been all used up. We are a pure virgin land, and we will remain pure, a pure virgin land forever. I am one blade of grass protected by the blood of the heifer, and I want to know if there's any other blades of grass in the house who want to give a shout to the Lord Jesus Christ. I'd like to just repeat the first section. No one can till us. No foreign seed can be planted in us. We are free from fear of excavation. We cannot be rezoned. We cannot be moved. This blood has made us untouchable. The blood that protected the Israelites in the, in the days of Egypt from death is the same blood that protects us. We are God's field. And every blade of grass in here is covered in the blood of the heifer. Let's read verse 5. Then the priest, the sons of Levi, shall come near, for the Lord your God has chosen them to minister to him and to bless in the name of the Lord. By their word, every controversy and every assault shall be settled. The civic disputes were settled by the word of the priest, like our civil disputes are settled by the word of God. Ministers, uh, they settle disputes between people by the word of God and biblical counsel. Right? So if you have a problem in your life, God has placed his spiritual authority. Let me, let me back up. Let me just say this. God, spiritual authority is a loving structure set for your well-being. Right? So if we have a problem, me and my wife, we know who to call. Right? Somebody who has the word of God to help us because we first submit to the word of God. Then we submit to our leadership. And then if we have further problems, we need to go away. And we know a couple ministries that are like that, right? But this is for our safety. Now, let's take all that away. I know a couple. They're non-Christians, right? They're, 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 they're married, and they have two children. 
and they want to kill each other, right? So, but there's, there's no, no, no authority of the Word of God, so they do what they want to do in their own eyes. What's right in my own eyes, right? And so they say, uh, we, they have no pastor. They, they don't want a counselor, right? And now they don't want a, a life coach, so they want nothing. But they want to kill each other. So now finally, they're getting so loud that the cops get called. So the only authority that's left now is God put the sword in the authority's hands, right? God's authority is the police, and it is the court of law. And that's a safety net, right? He's put that in there, so if you are a crazy, non-Christian, not submitting to my ways, at least you're not going to want to go to prison, right? You've got to act like uh, somewhat civilized here, right? And that's what happens. The cops are called now at my friend's house, and now they're split up. And, and, and because, they, because they, they don't have what we've been giving. The spiritual authority is a loving structure set up for us. It's a safety net. It's for our well-being. And, 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 and again, if you can't speak to your pastor and the Word of God, and like if you can't come there, if you're husband can't be your authority and if if i mean well if that's happening don't be surprised if your children won't listen to you and 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 i just want to say again beware if there's nobody that you're answering to if you have the final say every time beware be careful because what you're doing is you're rejecting god's loving boundaries for you you have to have somebody to, to come to and, and to help you with God's word. And, and that's what's happening here. And, and I'm going <clears> to <throat> read the rest of this, and we're going we're gonna to close up with a prayer. <clears throat> but I just want to tell you, take warning and take heed. Allow these words that are being spoken twice now about authority to come into you. All right, let's read the rest of our chapter here, verses 6 through 9. And all the elders of the city nearest to the slain man shall wash their hands over the heifer whose neck was broken in the valley. Then they shall answer and say, Our hands have not shed this blood, nor have our eyes seen it. Provide atonement, O Lord, for your people Israel, whom you have redeemed. And do not lay innocent blood to the charge of your people Israel. An atonement shall be provided on their behalf for the blood. So you shall put away the guilt of innocent blood from among you when you do what is right in the sight of the Lord your God. You are supposed to reconcile those nearest to you. But how do you have compassion on the sinner? You see these priests are coming here and they're saying it's not in my eyes I've sinned it's not in my hands but certainly that doesn't mean you haven't sinned in your heart and that's where it all lies the secret sin of murder in the heart who is not guilty here today I know I'm guilty we've all done it we all need the blood but how when we're boiling like this do we have compassion on that sinner well to keep it short, it's very simple. If you see somebody on the corner cursing, or if someone's cursing you out, 
Can't you say in your heart truly that you've cursed somebody in your own heart? If you can't say that, you're not going to have on that compa- compassion on the person who's cursing you out or cursing on the street corner. If you can't say, I've lusted in my heart, well, maybe not with your hands. Maybe even not with your eyes, you weren't looking, but in your heart. If you can't say that you've done that in your heart, how are you going to have compassion for the prostitute? And God help us, if we can't say we murder somebody in our heart, how are we going to have compassion on the terrorist? I've been thinking about how much love is in my heart for Hamas lately. Or am I just like one of these apostles saying, God, let's call fire upon them and burn them out. Do I want them to be saved? Do I want them to come to the truth? Do I care that their, their mind is so warped that they really believe they're offering a service for God by killing people? I've been convicted. I've been convicted that the people nearest to me are my neighbors that live right next to me. Oh, I did good next to my last neighbors before I moved. I got to minister and to pray with them. But now that I moved to my new house, I'm there for a year and a half. I barely have had conversations with them. And I'm not going to be condemned. I'm just going to do what the Lord's led me to do, which is, Frank, just start praying for them. And I don't want to condemn you either. It's not about that. But if you want to have compassion to the sinners near to you and compassion to those who really live next to you, it starts in here. God, have mercy on me. I'm a sinner also. And lastly, the power of the blood is repentance. And I want to say that as a statement of hope. No matter what we've done. Murder. Ask Moses when you get to heaven. He was a murderer. Worked out pretty good for him in the end. Because of the redemption of the blood of Jesus Christ. Murder in the heart. Have you had an abortion? Listen, there is no, I want to say this to the camera too, to you at home. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. You are forgiven by the blood of Christ. And if you have any secret sin in your life, any secret sin, Jesus Christ came into the world as a babe to give you hope. He went on the cross to show His love and give you freedom. And because of the blood of Jesus, you might not have many rights in Christianity, but you have the right to repent. Amen? Amen. Praise God. Let us pray. Lord Jesus, I'm reminded of that verse that says, Lord, that you are mindful of us. Lord, you do feel our pain. You do know the integral parts and thought mechanisms in every person here so well. You know what makes us sit up and what makes us sit down, what gets us riled up, what makes us cheerful. You formed our inner man. You sewn it together, so to speak, in our mother's womb. And after analyzing all those things in us here today, you say, I want to have them. So in your grace and your kindness, heavenly heifer, you left that freedom in Christ and took off. Lord, you put on a yoke when you put on a body. 
And you went down into the valley of the shadow of death. So we want to rejoice in you for coming down. We want to rejoice in you for living a spotless life. We want to rejoice in you that you died on the cross and took the, our filth upon you. Also, you can have us. Lord, you knew what you were getting into when you purchased us and you still want us. You love us. That's why you came. And we just want to say thank you, Jesus, for your blood and the hope we have in it. Now, Jesus, I pray your people would walk encouraged out of here, saying, I am a blade of grass with the blood of Jesus upon me. And I can't be touched forever. I have entered into the rest of all the lands, and I am the envy of all lands, a pure, untouched, virgin land because of the blood. Let each one walk out of here with the freedom in Christ. And I pray, Lord, that you would bless the families here as they celebrate Christmas. Lord, I pray you do something very special and unique for this family of God during this season. And I pray, Lord, especially for this Christmas season message from Pastor Albert, that it would have, Lord, the joy of the Lord blowing triumphantly as it were, through a golden tr trumpet underneath a mistletoe. I'm so, I'm so grateful for you, Jesus. We all are. Thank you for what you have done this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. We are so grateful to God for allowing us the opportunity to share this message with you. Thank you for listening. We want you to know that you are all in our constant prayers. If you have been blessed by today's program, why not consider partnering with us? To make a donation is easy. You can visit us online at www.specchurch.net or you can call us at 845-956-0133. Once again, that's www.specchurch.net or 845-956-0133. We invite you to worship with us one Sunday morning very soon. Thank you again for your prayers and support. May the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and may he be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. God bless you.